If you have your Bibles, take them and turn them to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. And as you're turning there, I want you to imagine with me the difference between being single and being married. And imagine if you were talking to a man who was engaged after being single for a long time. And when you were talking to him, you asked him if he was ready for the big change in his life. Okay? And imagine you're surprised if he told you, I don't really think anything is going to change. I'm still going to spend money however I want. I'm still going to spend my Saturday however I want. I'm going to say whatever I want and go wherever I want. Could you imagine hearing somebody say that and you would just think they are absolutely delusional. Because of course such a massive change in identity leads to practical changes in your life. And that's basically the sermon this morning. To make it more specific, here's what I'll say. Union with Christ changes the way you think. Changes what you think about. In Colossians 3, we're looking at verses 1 through 4 this morning, and I have three points. Christ is your life. Christ is your mindset, and Christ is your future. Those are my three points. Christ is your life, mindset, and future from Colossians 3, verses 1 through 4. Let's go to the word of the Lord now. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Let's pray and ask God's blessing on the word. God, thank you for this marvelous passage of scripture. And God, here in this moment, we believe that your word is inspired by you. God, this is your breath this morning. This is your word to us. God, we believe it's inerrant, infallible. God, we believe that it's living and active. And so we come to it, God, not to hear man's wisdom, not to entertain ourselves. But God, we come to hear from you. God, so I pray that you could speak through me this morning. Guard me from error. God, I pray for a supernatural attention span here in um, this gathered group of believers. God, I pray that you can bless us with your word. Edify us. Build us up. God, we want to hold fast to you, Jesus. You are our head. We want to grow with a growth that is from God. God, that can only come from you. Holy Spirit, now as we come, I pray that you can produce fruit in us. God, that there can be real life change in this room, not, not through human effort, not through man-made rules, but God, through the power of your word, the power of the Holy Spirit working through the word. God, that's what we're depending on. That's what we're banking on. And God, I pray that you are glorified in this room this morning. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Number one, Christ is your life. 
Paul starts this passage by saying, if then you have been raised. If then you have been raised. So, the ground of this passage, the ground of this argument, the ground of these four verses is union with Christ. So, that's the ground I'm standing on, this platform, and then my body's built up on it. In this way, the ground of this, these couple verses is this doctrine of union with Christ that we've been talking about. So, if then you've been raised by Christ. So, what Paul's doing here, he's saying, the logic is, if this is true of you, then you should live like this. If then. So, the ground of the passage is union with Christ, and the argument is built upon it. So, he's saying... Set your mind on things above is the the main point of this verse. But look at verse 3. For you have died. So set your mind, verse 2, because, verse 3, you have died. So the ground of this passage, what it's all built upon, is this idea, this truth, this doctrine that Christ is our life. That's the truth of this passage. Christ is your life. You see it all over these four verses. Uh, You have been raised with Christ. Verse 3, you have died. It also says your life is hidden with Christ in God. And then in verse 4 it says, when Christ who is your life. We've talked a lot about this recently. This doctrine of union with Christ. That we have died with Christ. That we have been risen with Christ. This is the life changing truth. That Christ's life is our life. That Christ's righteousness is our righteousness. That Christ's death is our death. His burial is our burial. His resurrection is our resurrection. And his status is our status. Notice here that we have already been raised. If then you have been raised. This is not talking here in the context of a future physical resurrection. But this is talking about resurrection power in your life right now. That you've died to your old sinful nature and you've been raised to newness of life. I mean, think about the power that raised Christ from the dead and then try to understand that that is the power that the Christian currently lives in. Are you living currently in light of being raised with Christ? That you've been born again? That you're a new creation? Christian, you are alive in Christ. You have freedom from sin and freedom to a glorious and beautiful life of walking with God. I love this summary statement right here in verse 4 where it says, When Christ, who is your life, I love that. Christ, who is your life. I think of someone who is obsessed with a certain hobby. Someone might say, fishing is that dude's life. He is all about fishing. He is controlled by fishing. He's at home and he's thinking about fishing. What's for dinner? Chicken nuggets. But he still likes fish, okay? He's thinking about fishing. Maybe he honors him so much he would never dare to eat one because he... He loves fish so much. It's the air he breathes. It's his purpose for existing. The reason why he gets out of bed in the morning. Do you know someone like that? Let me ask you a question. What is your life this morning? Honestly, what would someone say about you? Your life is your grandchildren, or your job, or your spouse, or Tennessee sports, or what? 
Answering that question with anything besides Christ is idolatry. Even if you are your life, then you've rejected Christ as your life. It's breaking the first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. But for us, for the believers in this room, Christ is our life. It reminds me of Philippians 1.21. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. So our union with Christ doesn't just mean that Christ is a part of our life, that Christ is this extra aspect of our life, that we add Christ to our lives. We invite him to play a part, but instead, no, Christ is our life. Christ is our identity, our goal, our passion, our defining characteristic, our lifestyle. Christ is what we are all about. So it says there, Christ, who is your life? So let me ask you, are you this wrapped up with Jesus? Do you love him? Do you wake up thinking about him? Is your life centered upon Christ in this way so that you could say, not that Christ is a part of my life, but Christ is my life? To some extent, probably not. And that's why we're here. And that's why this passage exists, which leads me to point number two. Christ is your mindset. Look at verses 1 through 2. If then, there's the ground, you have been raised with Christ. Here's the command, seek the things that are above. Where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Verse 2, set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. So, very first word in the passage, if. If then you have been raised with Christ. So as he's dialoguing with us, I I want you to reflect on that. Is this true of you? Have you been raised with Christ? Is Christ your life? Is this a reality for you? That Christ is your life, that you've been raised with Christ, that you're united with him through faith? If so, union with Christ has an implication for how you think. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Being united with Christ changes what you seek. It changes what you live for. It changes your mindset. Or it should. That's the command here. That if you're in Christ, you need to obey with your mindset. You need to obey in how you think. You see the radical nature of Christ's lordship over your life? He's not just asking for external obedience. That's what the false teachers were talking about last week. But he's demanding obedience in how you think. You need to set your mind on things above. You need to seek the things that are above. So when's the last time you thought about your thoughts? That's what we're going to do right now. We're going to think about how we think. Here's the commands. Seek things that are above. Verse 2, set your mind on things that are above. Paul gives us two commands here that basically mean the same thing, with the second one being clear, set your mind on things above. First, both of these commands are in the present tense, which means that we are supposed to continually be seeking and continually be setting our mind on things above. So this is not a one-time decision. You don't seek the things that are above one time when you're five years old. You don't set your mind on things above one time when you were 30. 
and then never think about it again. But instead, this is a day-by-day, moment-by-moment choice to dwell on Christ, to think about the things above, to be heavenly-minded. So it's a continual thing. Uh, Be seeking. Be setting. And I want to draw attention to this idea of set your mind is an intentional choice. I think about Psalm 16, 8. I have set the Lord always before me. So if you didn't know this about me, I play guitar. uh, And, you know, I don't play as much as I used to. So there's a bunch of them sitting um, in a room in our house, and they're rarely touched. And if I just picked one up, if I just walked all over to the house and and grabbed a guitar and started playing it, no matter how good or bad I am, it's not going to sound good. Because guitars naturally fall out of tune. Did you know that? And normally due to the environment it's in, things slip, or maybe they get bumped, or the strings themselves fall out of alignment with each other. So you can't just tune a guitar and then never touch it again. But it has to be an intentional act that's done over and over and over again. You have to set the guitar to the standard of the proper notes. So you, number, number, you know, whatever my points are, you can't just tune it however you want, but there's an actual standard that you put it to, and you have to do it over and over and over again because things slip, and it's super noticeable when you don't do it. Okay, this is just like our mindset. Okay, our minds naturally slip based on the environment they're in. Things get bumped. They fall out of alignment. You can't just do it once, but you have to set your mind continually. You have to tune continually according to the standard of the Word of God. And it's super noticeable if you don't do it. All right, so we have to set our minds. I think about Philippians 4, 8. It says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. We have to set our mind on things above. We need to make a continual choice on what you are going to think about. This requires vigilance over and over again. So if you obeyed this command yesterday, it means you need to obey it again today. You, you can never check this one off. You need to set your mind on things above. That's how I know this message is for everybody. We all need this. We all need to do it again right now. Set our mind on things above. To be faithful and obedient to God's word, you need to continually make the choice to set your mind on things above. Over and over and over again. Take stock of what you've thought about this week. Think about your thoughts. Think about your hang-ups, your goals, your worries, your fantasies, your dreams, your sticking points, your negative self-talk. Right here it says you may need to repent. Let me change that on the fly here. You absolutely need to repent. Amen? Okay, we've got some repenting going on today. I'm excited. I'm right here. You you might ask yourself, are all my thoughts about things of earth? How often do you set your mind on Christ? Do you ever sit and think about the cross and the empty tomb? Are you actively considering death and eternity? How often do you dwell on the glory of the Trinity? The whole reason anything exists? 
How many times a day do you go to God in prayer? You know, 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that seen are transient. They're passing away, they're here for a moment, they're gone tomorrow. But the things that are unseen are eternal. So we need to seek the things that are above. We need to set our minds on the things that are above. Now obviously, I want to say this, this needs some nuance. Because I'm not saying that it's a sin to think about breakfast. Or it's a sin to pay your bills. Or to watch a baseball game. Or to watch birds. Or anything like that. That's what I was doing this morning. I thought about this. Like It needs nuance because me watching birds this morning isn't sinful. We need to be careful here. I think the nuance is, are you thanking God for those gifts? Are you submitting to the Lordship of Christ in those areas? Are you working and playing and eating to the glory of God? Paul later, just if you look down in verse 17 in the same chapter, he says, and whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. So, I mean, if you're watching birds this morning... Do that in the name of Jesus Christ. So, this is a call to shift your mind from being a mere animal to being raised with Christ. To live a higher life than earth. I, I think this passage is saying don't just live your life thinking about the things of earth. Food, sex, people. Your life here is just here for a moment. But also, your life isn't just here. That's what it's saying. Like, if we just act like an animal, we just think of food and sleep and sex and people and jobs and money, and, and we, just, we just stay right here, we forget that we've been raised with Christ. That we are seated at the right hand of God, we're going to see here in a second. So he's saying, don't just live like a beast but live as if somebody you've been united with Christ. You are seated in the heavenly places at this moment. So set your mind there where you currently are. This is a command to take every thought captive to Christ. Every single thought should be brought under the realization that Christ is seated on the throne and that we are hidden with Christ in God. That's what it says. If you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And it says, set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Have you ever been depressed? Not in a, not in a serious way. Have you ever been really sad over something really stupid? I was depressed at a softball game this week because of my performance. Uh, it wasn't great, let me tell you. I, I'm not going to share my schedule with the church because I don't want you there. I don't want you to see this, okay? But, I, I mean, I was taking it hard. And I was in the outfield, and I looked up and saw the moon. And it was like this perfectly clear day. You could see the moon so clearly. And the thought came to my mind, this softball game is not that big of a deal. The moon just put it in perspective for some reason. It was beautiful. The beauty of it, the bigness of the moon put things in perspective. And that's exactly what setting our mind on things above does. When you dwell on Christ on eternal life, on your union with Jesus, on the glory of God, things like softball and my poor performance don't matter as much. Now you can apply that to basically anything on this earth. You see that? If you, if you set your mind on things above, the applause of men doesn't matter. 
If you set your mind on things above, the temptations of this world don't seem as tempting. I think of the old hymn, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. That's exactly it. Jesus is more glorious than everything here. So if you think things here are glorious and you're dealing with jealousy and envy, you're dealing with temptation, you're dealing with um, you know, a hard time, suffering, whatever it may be, the, the solution is to set your mind on things above. And that doesn't mean that your, your suffering is any less, but you just see in comparison that the glory of God is so much more. So, set your mind on things above and the things below grow dim. So let's set our mind on things above. Point number three, Christ is your future. Specifically in verse four, look here. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Sorry, I meant to read verse three as well. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. I love that imagery there. Your life is hidden with Christ and God. What does that mean? Number one, it shows us protection. If our life is hidden with Christ and God, as verse 3 says, no one can touch your life. No one can take your life away. No one can truly harm your life because your life is not here. Your life is not within reach. Your life is not available to be harmed because your life is hidden with Christ and God. So like a child hiding in their parents' arms when they hear the thunderstorm, they are safe because they are hidden. No one can get to you. Your life is hidden with Christ and God. I think of Proverbs 18.10, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. Number two, this shows us that we are exalted because we are hidden with Christ and God. Notice that our lives are not here on earth. Our life is hidden with Christ and God. And where is Christ? Verse 1, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. That's where Christ is. And since our life is hidden with Christ, that's where we are. We are incredibly exalted beyond words in Christ. I know this sounds strange to think about us being exalted. And I'm not saying that we are being worshipped. But we are with Christ where Christ is and Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Do you see that in the text? Christ is our life. We're hidden with Christ and God. That's where we are. So in some spiritual, mystical, mysterious sense, we are there too. We see it in Ephesians 2. We read it at the beginning of the service. Verses 5 through 6. This says, even when we were dead in our trespasses, God made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him. Listen to this. And seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Christ is seated at the right hand of God, which is the position of authority and power over all the universe. And the scriptures say that we are seated with Christ. That we have been lifted up 
beyond all imagination. And this is true of us now. Not that, that we will be seated. It might happen. We'll see. You might get a seat in the place. No, we are seated with Christ. Our life is hidden with Christ in God. Think about the honor, the glory, and the grace that you deserve to be humbled in hell for all eternity. But instead, we've been exalted to sit with Christ at the right hand of the Father through our union with Christ. In Christ, you are seated in the heavenly places, which means your life is hidden with Christ and God. This also shows us intimacy. Being hidden with Christ shows us that we are with Christ and God. We are not a billion miles away from God, but we are seated with God there, and He is present with us here. So, if we are truly hidden with Christ and God, we need to cultivate the awareness that we have such an incredible access to the presence of God through our union with Christ. That we are where He is. We are hidden with Christ. We are seated in the heavenly places. That's where you truly are spiritually this morning. Now, the Colossian heretics were trying, we talked about this last week, they were trying to use earthly means to reach the heavens and worship angels, if you remember that last week. So they were trying to follow these Old Testament rituals, obey these strict man-made rules that would give them these super spiritual experiences. So they were trying to conjure up all this earthly stuff that would lead them upwards to the heavens. But Paul's theology here, biblical theology, was starting with us already being raised. We're already exalted. We're already seated. It's already been done. And then he brings the implications down here to earth. So, you don't have to work to get to where you already are. This is not a message that says set your mind on things above and then maybe God will accept you and love you. Think the right way and maybe you'll be exalted one day. No, this is saying you're already exalted in Christ beyond any imagination. Therefore, think this way. Align your thoughts with reality. This is no pretend make-believe game Paul's trying to play, but he's saying, think in truth. Through union with Christ, we are already seated in the presence of God. So live like it. So think like it. Finally, my last point here in this little hidden with Christ and God. I think this is the main meaning of the phrase in its context, even though there's a lot of implications. Is that with Christ, we are currently hidden. So I think... This has this idea of revelation being revealed. Sometimes I know it's hard to talk about all these things. I'm talking about us being seated with Christ, being this intimate presence with God, um, you know, uh, all these, you know, being protected, our life is up there, not here, all these things. And it can feel very distant and spiritual. Like, what am I supposed to do with that? And I think this kind of hits at that. That currently... Our lives in Christ are hidden. Our, our life is hidden with Christ. All this stuff I'm talking about every week about being united with Christ is 100% true. It's biblical. It's the truth of the gospel. It's amazing. But we currently can't see it, right? I'm talking about you being exalted to the heavens, seated with Jesus in the, at the right hand of God. But you're not really seeing that. It's not visible 
You can't look around this room and physically tell who is united to Christ and who isn't. It's hidden. But this hiddenness with Christ and God is not permanent. There's going to be an unveiling, an appearing, a revelation. If you didn't know, uh, my wife here on the front row is pregnant. You can probably tell. Um, but, and we have a shower today, we're excited about it. So excited about our little daughter, Madeline, being here in a little less than two months. And just this whole process of, you know, having our first child has made me reflect so much on just the, I don't want to say similarities, but my relationship with God. Because, you know, they say that the baby can hear you in the womb. And so I talked to Madeline. I can't see her, but I love her. It can be hard to believe sometimes, but apparently she can hear me and she responds to me. So I can sing and she starts moving. And in a, in a weird way, it kind of feels like prayer. I'm talking to somebody I've never seen with my eyes. You know, sometimes I have to believe in faith that they're hearing me, but I know there's response. I know there's things happening. I wonder what her face looks like, what she's going to look like, but currently she's hidden. See, so what, she, what she's going to be, her personality, her, her face, her, her body is all hidden. It can't be seen. But soon enough, her identity is going to be fully revealed. You're going to see her face. And there's going to be no doubt that's going to change who I am. That's what it says in 1 John 3, 2. It says, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. So who you are in Christ is hidden with Christ and God, but it's not hidden forever. There's going to be revealing. Look at verse 4. When Christ, who is your life, appears. This is not talking about a spiritual appearing, but a physical one. The parousia. Jesus Christ is hidden now. His reign is hidden. His lordship is hidden. His glory is hidden for now. But there is coming a day when Christ will return to this earth. And we will see him with our own physical eyes. And he is going to come back to judge the living and the dead. To reward his people with everlasting life. And punish his enemies with everlasting death. And he is going to set all things right. Establish perfect justice. And make all things new. And what's hidden about Christ will appear. And in the same way, what is hidden about you will appear. Because it says here, when Christ appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. I want to say this appearing, this revelation, this unveiling will either be for good or for bad. But who you are will truly be revealed on that day. There will be nothing hidden. But this is written to Christians. So Christ will be revealed in his glory. And we those of us who are in Christ will be right there with him. Then you also will appear with him in glory. 
Christ will be revealed in His glory, and we will be right there because we are united with Christ. So His life is our life. His death is our death. His resurrection is our resurrection. And listen, His glory is our glory. That's what we read about at the very beginning, the first sermon, um, verse 5. Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. That's our hope. That on that day, the sons of God will be revealed. That there will be no doubt anymore that you are united with Christ because what was hidden will be fully, obviously revealed. We walk by faith now, but on that day we will walk by sight because we will see Jesus as he is and we will be transformed to look like him. And it will no longer just be an inward change, but it will come with an outward transformation where we will appear with him in glory and then we will always be with the Lord. So, set your minds on this hope. Seek the things that are above and the problems and even the delights of this world become so much smaller. You see that? I mean, you're going to appear with Christ one day in glory. So what does it matter if you're having a plumbing issue? Okay, even with, even with serious things, if you're dealing with a cancer diagnosis, I'm not belittling the suffering and the pain of that, but if you put that in light of eternity, you see that your future is so much glorious than the pain you're experiencing now. The answer is to set your mind on things above, to seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God and realize that that is where you are heading. Christ is going to appear in glory to make all things right and you are going to appear with him. So hold on to this hope. Death is going to come for us all, but our hope is that when Christ appears, so will we. Your future is bright and glorious and full of joy due to our union with Christ. In conclusion, since we are united with Christ, since we've died in Him, been raised with Him, seated with Him, since our life is hidden with Him, since we are going to appear with Him in glory, here's our challenge. Set your mind on things above. How? I want to be really practical here. Two things. Repentance and pursuit. We need to both do these this week, okay? Repentance, pursuit. Number one, repentance. To set your mind on Christ means to set your mind off earthly things. You see that in the text? Verse 2, set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Ask yourself, what do I need to take my mind off this week? Where are your thoughts off Christ When do you think the most about earthly things? What is distracting you? How are you being an animal, you know, not thinking about God at all? I want you to, you know, have the Holy Spirit apply this text to your heart and be prepared to repent right now. Take your mind off earthly things. And number two, there needs to be a pursuit. You need to seek the things that are above. You see that? That needs to be what you live for, what you, you search for, what you're going to set your mind on. So three things. Number one, fill your mind with Scripture. I want to encourage you to set your mind on things above by daily coming before the Lord in His Word and letting this, God's Word, directly speak to you by setting your mind on things above. Because this is our reminder to say, you know what, this isn't all there is, but I'm seated. Set your mind. 
by filling your mind with Scripture. Number two, center your life around prayer. To dwell, to meditate, to, to, um, to enter into God's presence, to, to commune with God. And finally, to get into community with people who will point you above. Because you can't do this really on your own, just getting in the Word and prayer and never living life with people. But we need people to say, hey, here's a reminder of who you are in Christ. You need to seek the things that are above. That's so important. We need that. So those three things, I'm going to trust the Holy Spirit to apply it to your heart. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, I thank you for this passage. God, I thank you for union with Christ. God, I know it's hard to grasp, but I pray that through the power of the Holy Spirit working through the Word of God, I pray that you can change hearts in this room. God, that there can be people in here, when I said, when, when the Word of God said, if then you have been raised with Christ, that they know that they haven't been raised with Christ. God, I pray that you can convict them of their sin, that you can draw them to yourself. God, for us who know you in this room, I pray this passage can truly produce fruit in our lives. God, help us be a heavenly-minded church. Help us be a church that focuses on you, Jesus, who focuses on our union with you, our, our blessings that you've given us. It says, in you we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. God, I'm just asking for this passage to completely and radically alter our lives. God, I know there's a lot of earthly thinking in here. A lot of... of forgetfulness about who you are it starts with me God I pray that you draw us into a time of repenting of confession of pursuit of seeking the things that are above change our hearts Lord all for your glory in your name Jesus amen you guys can stand with me as we're going to respond I want to encourage you to, to let the Lord deal with you in this time to ask yourself, how do I need to repent this morning? And what do I need to pursue? What do I need to seek? Um, you can come up here and pray. You can stay in your seats, whatever you want. But don't let this be a time you just check out and you just mentally, you know, start thinking about lunch. But instead, let's seek and set our minds on things above and ask for the Holy Spirit to apply this text to our hearts.